Well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's homo superior. A <laughs> uh, special extra episode. We are talking about the entirety of WandaVision, which just completed its first and only season uh, this past week. I'm Kaylin. I'm Clark. I'm Ryan. I'm Adam. And I'm Brent Wingate. And we are so, so excited to have back a distant friend, uh, amazing (laughs) comedian, uh, returning guest, Katie Ozog. Katie, so glad to have you. Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, I'm still living in an apartment alone in New York City. Nothing has changed (laughs) much since the last time I was on this podcast, although this time we're discussing DC Comics, but last time we were discussing... No, shoot! You fucking idiot! This time we're discussing Marvel Comics. No, what are we doing? What is this? Yes, Marvel Comics. (laughs) It's one of two. (laughs) Wait, this is Marvel, correct? The other was... Yes. Okay, I'm trying so hard. I did so much research. (laughs) Get off the podcast. Please stay, audience. If you are tempted to turn it off, please... Just forge ahead. I promise you. <laughs> Not okay. only is Katie our guest, she's also the nosy neighbor uh, in this episode. So I'll turn it over to Brent to give us a recap and then start our discussion. All right, short recap. Uh, this is the Marvel Cinematic Universe's first foray into television. And we get the story of the Avengers super couple, Wanda and Vision, who are trapped in a reality where life is a series of evolving sitcoms. You probably should have heard of the show by now. I don't know why you're listening to this podcast if you haven't. Go listen to it uh, because it's going to be, you know, really sick, this review. All right, so long recap. Uh, We learned that Wanda is responsible for remaking the town of Westview and all of its residents into a TV show so she can have the idyllic life with a nuclear family. S.W.O.R.D. and the FBI are trying to understand this phenomena in order to uh, down the dome protecting Westview from outside influence. uh, S.W.O.R.D. director Hayward wants to destroy Wanda as he believes She's a destructive force. The FBI agent Jimmy Wu, legacy sword agent Monica Rambo, and astrophysicist Darcy want to save Wanda from herself. Wanda's fake reality is encouraged by the witch Agatha Harkness, who seeks to understand its creation and ultimately wield the power Wanda possesses as the Scarlet Witch. Agatha also murders a puppy. Um, so Wanda brainwashes people, makes fake children, and gains a touch of evil. Vision comes back alive, becomes double vision, and then turns white and dead. And Darcy drives an ice cream truck. Okay. So this show had a lot of expectations, you know, given that it was the first one that Disney released, you know, it also had COVID delays. And then when the trailer dropped, it had an artistic styling that got a lot of people very excited. So I want to start with where, what your expectations were for this show and what did you get back from it? Katie, can we start with you? We can. And I hope that the listeners have forgiven me by now. I hope you took the time in the intro to think, that's okay. I'll listen to this woman, even though she's clueless. It's been I 30 should... seconds and you want them uh, well, to forgive and, you. <laughs> uh, you can go on a long journey in 30 seconds. I Here's the thing. I should have said in my intro, I work in television and I am obsessed with television and obsessed with pop culture. And I'm, I'm just very good at TV. I know a lot of tropes. So I, that is what initially attracted me to the show. And that was the expectation that I had was a fun romp through television history. Didn't know the layers I would uh, dip my toe into. So that's what I was expecting is, is 
an exciting ride. And that's what I got, actually. Okay. Um, our listeners can forgive Katie like the residents of Westview can forgive Wanda. So <laughs> let's make that happen, right? Um, you mean I, not really? Yeah, no, exactly. most assuredly, yeah. Most assuredly, according to, Monica, yeah. <laughs> according to Monica Rambeau, despite their glares. Um, I will say I had very high expectations for this show and um, I didn't realize how much I missed the MCU uh, until I started watching even the first episode. And for the most part, the show met my expectations. It is smart. It is a wonderful um, foray into what grief can do to a person, especially somebody who is as powerful as Wanda. Uh, I think there's some wonderful Easter eggs, some really good fake outs, which we'll talk about. Uh, I do think it's got maybe some third act problems that I think, you know, they happen with a lot of MCU things, but as we'll discuss on, on our podcast, uh, some of that's related to, to COVID, honestly. So uh, I'm going to be a little bit forgiving of that, but um, my God, what a great way for um, us to be able to experience the MCU again, instead of like the graphic novel form that we got in the movies, we're getting like a serialized comic book form on a week to week episode. And I was excited to have it every week. We had appointment TV for the first time in a very long time, something that we could all collectively talk about uh, during, you know, not a great time in the world. Ryan. Um, I, I was also in agreement. I, I wanted, I had very high expectations for this because we haven't seen something for so long. This is the first female driven thing that we've had from the MCU. Um, the Black Widow movie was supposed to come out. What? So I was what? so ready for female empowerment in some sort of way. I know Captain, the- Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> Captain Marvel. It's the second. Anyways, keep going. I, I mean, Ryan doesn't no think she's a woman. Received. I, I don't think for the most part. That's, um, cre- that's pre-female, not human female. So that's just okay. We'll move on. Um, but this email um, got it. Um, okay, so Captain Marvel was the exception, but um, I was just super excited. I wanted I wanted an experience of like not the mainstream sort of like uh, straight white dude experience. So I was very excited for a longer form version of this. Um, it really met my expectations, and I think this series will live on in queer culture for like a long time because this is a queer ass show like us being homeless of beer like it makes so much sense for us covering this because it's in this show it is gay gay and i'll go over those uh things in a little bit <laughs> any other expectations before adam yeah no i'll 100 ryan i as much as captain marvel obviously yes was a female vehicle it was a prequel it didn't really move anything forward so I think what really distinguishes this from anything else and probably even Black Widow is that it is a female-centered vehicle that is driving the MCU forward. Like this is the really two female leads because Monica Rambeau is also a really central character to this um, and had her entire origin story inside of these episodes. So I, I really had very open expectations for this. I was a little worried, especially given that this got pushed to be the launching salvo for uh, phase four, I really was nervous of what the reaction could be, especially having such a big end game hit. Like, would they really be able to pick up and continue that momentum? And boy, howdy, did they. Uh, I fucking loved it. And yeah, I just, again, 
the amount of work that this has done to make us love Wanda and Vision even more, I think is so amazing because they were obviously very strong characters throughout the whole first three phases. Well, really two and three, but even Jarvis was in one. Um, but it just was like, they were always ancillary. They were always secondary to the big six. And it's so cool to see that not only can they helm a movie, they can helm and like, what is that? Probably six hours total of television. And I was captivated the whole time. So kudos to them and kudos to the entire Marvel team. Yeah, I, I actually just met them in this series. So I have to say, I mean, they're marvelous. They're marvelous. Get they're it? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was like, they're delicious. <laughs> Katie, I'm deceased with that joke. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> okay, I was, oh, Brent, are you going? Okay. No, you um, I was ready for what I was hoping for was something that was at least a little more vision centric than the show actually turned out to be. I thought we were going to get the, the Wanda and vision miniseries from what early eighties, whenever the hell fuck that was. And we're going to get, get a bit of the vision series, Tom King's vision series, which we got zero of besides the fact there was a puppy in it that died, um, which was very frustrating. Cause I feel like vision was almost an ancillary character a lot of the time. Um, and then uh, well, you were talking about how like you were so glad it was like, you know, it felt like an issue by issue series. This was a series. I if it was comics, I would have dropped it after the first issue because I hated issues one and two and didn't really like what eight and nine by that I meant episodes. But um, every single episode, I was like ready desperately. I was like, is it Friday yet? Is it Friday morning? Oh, it's 3 a.m. I'm staying up and watching this show right when it comes on because, you know, 3 a.m. Our time, 12, 12 uh, Pacific. Um, but I don't know. I, it didn't meet my expectations, mostly because, and this we're talking, we're going to talk about, I'm assuming the Collider article. Yep. Um, Marvel needs to realize, Disney re needs to realize there are two levels of people who watch these shows now and not to be like kind of gatekeeper snob, but there's a large population and slowly growing larger as it's more and more popular, these series of people who expect not just surprise, but something like bigger than just hey, Agatha is, I mean, Agnes is Agatha, which you and I and everybody else guessed before the show even started. If that's the big reveal, it's kind of frustrating, especially when they did so many red herrings in terms of, um, you know, we'll talk about Pietro in a minute, but just if you're going to give all these red herrings, you need to have something equal to the red herring in terms of surprise or importance, which the show did not do. Brent. For my initial expectation of it, I did hope that there would be more vision. Um, and I think that the fact that he's kind of lost in a personality um, didn't really pay off as much as other storylines have kind of shown that. But I think what I was kind of looking forward to the most was something a little bit more visually mind-bending um, mm -hmm. in the same way that I know you guys are gonna hate on me for it, but Doctor Strange, the way it <laughs> looks, just the way it looks that there's going to be something to it where I am going to be constant, like I'm going to be several steps behind what the show is doing. Whereas when I actually watched it, it felt a little bit more safe, a little bit more, you know, under simple, simply digestible. Um, I still loved it. I still thought, you know, there's a lot of great tropes and they got a lot right with TV um, and it's love for TV, I think is fantastic, but it was just a little bit different from, what I thought it would be. Caitlin. 
you know, um, while we were reviewing each episode on our regular podcast, I made comparisons to it being a mystery box show. The original being The Prisoner from the late 60s, uh, uh, the most popular being Lost uh, about, you know, 15 uh, years ago. And, you know, after Clark made his comments, um, which I don't necessarily disagree with, uh, I kept thinking more and more about Lost and how um, it ultimately lost, like was never able to cash the check it was trying to deposit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it like it was building, 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 and then completely like people were like disappointed with where the show went. And then you had Damon Lindelof and some of the other creators saying, well, that's not really what it was about. We were talking about the human condition. And so the emotional impact of the finale for Lost still stays with me. Like it's still, I think about it and I tear up because it was like so emotionally affecting. And I think what uh, this show got what were the emotions, the, the relationship between Vision and Scarlet Witch, between Vision and Wanda, I believe them, even though in the movie I felt, in the movies I felt like their, their relationship was so rushed, even though yeah. the two actors have a lot of chemistry. In this, even though he is a manifestation of her grief and her magic, like I believe them as a couple, like all with all their love and all their foibles and everything. And so it's, it's just amazing that like, um, that like we have that comparison now with the most popular mystery box show that's ever existed. Brent? Yeah. Do you guys think that this could have worked as a movie? Um, like obviously assuming that it would be movie genres or decades of movies rather than, you know, sitcoms. Like, is there anything about the structure that was essential to tell this story? Uh, Katie, then Adam. So I think it was essential for this to be a television show because I'll tell you, as an outsider coming in, the reason why I wanted to watch the show is because of the chatter and the people on Twitter, people talking about it, you know, all over social media, my friends watching it. And what was killing me is Agatha all along. Hearing people talk about it, I was like, what is it? What does that mean? <laughs> like, why are people singing a song? I love Catherine Hahn. Why? I should watch this. You but that doesn't Catherine happen. Hahn. I don't think, I am actually, I do spell my name the same way as Catherine Hahn. So that is why I came to the show. But I, I just feel like that type of um, just atmosphere and creating that fervor for something, it happens with movies. But I think with, I think Kaylin made this point earlier. We're all at home. We're all here watching things week after. And it was also released weekly, which is rare these days. So I think there was this anticipation and it drew people in over the course of the season. I just don't feel like I would have seen the movie. And it's also more fun. I think the TV tropes work better in this world. I I actually have a hard time wrapping my head around how they would have done it with movies. I mean, I know there are different genres of films, but I just feel like it's, you know, it's made for the TV. I think both, I agree with Katie. I think both culturally and creatively, there just would have been no way for this to have the amount of success that it had on a TV platform. We would have had, and we even saw it in the final episode, especially as they kind of maybe had to start cutting corners due to COVID and just general production uh, flaws. But it's like, the only parts I didn't like about this series was when it went like full MCU type movie. Mm-hmm. By keeping it, like kind of what we've all been saying, by keeping it a TV show, by allowing these weird, interesting motifs to slowly evolve from a television sitcom perspective, it, it again all keeps every, and having really very few fight scenes and you, real power and CGI usage over the course of the show, it allows the show to remain grounded in reality in some capacity and also grounded in emotion 
which is the single most important part of this. And, and I think the only thing I would have changed, I know many people have conflicting opinions about this because I don't think it would make the show succeed culturally, is that if they were able to release it as a bingeable series, I think people would have been less disappointed in the potential lack of reveals because it would have been, I think, I forget, we talked about this maybe on the podcast before or something where it's like with them, and maybe I think it might've been Brent, you, you said, it's like with a movie, you build up all these expectations, you go in and then you're there for two hours and what you see is what you get. Whereas when you're doing them and, or even on a weekend, if you release a TV show on a weekend, you get all that too. Whereas if you release this week by week, just like Lost and just like all these other mystery box shows, people lose their shit and will sit for 40 hours a week attempting to solve this one hour TV show. And it's like, A, it's not that serious, but B, you're, you're building up these expectations that will never come to fruition because you've created weight that an entire multimedia million dollar production team can't even produce because you've you great, like lots of great creativity. But that's the only thing that I think really held it back from a cultural perspective is it benefited it. But now I think people might have a little bit of more sour taste in their mouth than they would have wanted to. Uh, Clark? I think partially it's also just the nature of the sitcom as a, the, we talk, I, the evolving sitcom. Um, the, it, they, the creators have said this is literally the stages of grief. So number one, it has to be multiple episodes in order to show them one by one by one. But also they start off with these sitcoms, you know, Dick Van Dyke, Bewitched, that are like kind of cozy, calm in their own way. And it's not like everyone's aggressive with each other until we get to Modern Family where, you know, they're snarking at each other constantly. And Malcolm in the Middle is just a freak show nightmare with when the parents are getting, as we saw, just like smashed by a building and the mom is a heritage. Um, it's very, just, I don't, I just the fact that we needed to see those, that slow buildup between episodes to get to that point works with the whole concept of grief that we're working with in the show. Brent. I think it also, to, just to add to that, the, the actual structure of like, what, how does a TV show end in the past versus in the 70s mm-hmm. or 80s where they're like, they'll, the in the 70s where they're like, something bad happens and they try and just plaster over it and pretend like it wasn't really bad. Or, you know, as you move closer to today, where we have these kind of very bittersweet endings where, you know, things are back to normal, but we recognize that people have been deeply wronged in some way that has to carry forward. Kaylin. Um- yeah, that's a very, very good point. I think the best use of that was the one that was sort of set in the 80s and early 90s, the family ties pastiche, where you had Wanda just like, I'm done with this. And she starts rolling the credits and Vision goes after her from the kitchen and the living room goes, Wanda, we have to talk about this. And like the credits are rolling and it's like they're in, they're about to fight and then they both like go up in the air. And I was like, that's when I think the show was the best. Yeah. Um, where it like completely like used the the format and the homages and the sat and the parodies of the uh of all the sitcoms and completely subverted them and god i was like absolutely mesmerized Brett. so let's continue on with this uh what you know kind of adam was talking about you know with the finale complete sadly the ability for fans to guess what happens next is over um let's talk about some of the specific predictions and fake outs and how we felt about them so I'm curious, just at the start, um, what are some of the worst predictions you made or saw <laughs> that didn't pan out? Ryan? 
um, as a cameo queen. Um, I was <laughs> everyone, their sister, every like their aunt was showing, like Magneto's sister and all. Like I, I thought everyone was going to show up. So obviously Magneto, Doctor Strange was one that was being thrown out at all times. But I was like not throwing out like other things like alternate universe Spider Man. Um, all of the Fox properties, like literally, and I'm glad it didn't happen because people need to get out of that mindset with this shit because we need to stop worrying about these cameos that there's an entire movie and then you're excited to see a two minute clip of Chris Hemsworth on his day off, like for five <laughs> seconds. Like, it makes no sense. It makes no sense that we worry about this shit. So just enjoy the show. But yes, I thought of every and every. I literally thought the multiverse was going to rip open and just like, I don't, like cartoons were going to come out. Like I literally thought that shit. I was at, it's yeah. Toontown. Hey, you wanted Space Jam, but yeah, yeah, yeah. in right. the MCU. Caleb. Um, I will admit uh, to a, uh, a prediction that didn't come true and I made it on, po- on podcasts is when you had Hayward uh, uh, showing a uh, reform Monica after the snap uh, through sword headquarters. And he makes a reference to what I thought was the fantastic four. Uh, and I was like, Oh my God, maybe we'll see Reed Richards. Maybe we'll see some other Easter egg. And so I kind of to, to Ryan's point, I was getting like caught up in the whole fanboy, like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Like what, what, what are all the cool little Easter eggs that I can find? But Ryan's right. You know, like let the show be what it is. And I think some of the, the fake outs, which we'll talk about uh, in, in a couple of minutes, um, I actually, in retrospect, really kind of appreciated them. That like, you know, the writers are kind of fucking with the, the expectations of like the hardcore fans. And like, they're, it's just all about telling this story and telling really it's Wanda's story more than anything else. Katie? So I came into the show with two episodes left and I watched them all in one evening via the app Teleparty. I don't know if anyone here has used Teleparty where you can watch something with a friend. So shout out. Is that in any way related to Lemon Party? I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. Sorry, go on. Katie, oh, no. don't look it up in your off time. Don't soil my my comment. I don't care. I, I everyone can do whatever they want. I don't care. I'm not shaming anyone. Whatever it is. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. Go on. Um, you heard so, it here first. Katie Ozak is endorsing Lemon Party. No. Or maybe yeah. Let them do what know. they want, says Katie. Okay. I, I'm trying to shout out my dear pal Vic Witten, who convinced me to watch this show, and then we watched it together using the app Teleparty. So you can watch it. It's basically like a G chat box pops up on Disney Plus. So you watch it with someone. The I watched it all in one night, and then read obsessively through all of the BuzzFeed Easter egg roundups all in one night. And so then when I watched the last two episodes, it made me very nervous and self-conscious because I don't really know a lot about this universe. So then every time I was seeing something, I was basically like, wait, what does this mean? (laughs) Like, does this mean (laughs) this person's going to die? Does this person should I know who this milkman is? Like, is this a character from somewhere else? (laughs) So I think the Easter egg uh, paranoia that the world was experiencing and projecting kind of made as a as a casual viewer of the show made me very um, just I felt very unmoored while watching it sometimes. This is not really answering your question. I'm just saying 
I was also waiting with bated breath to see what would happen, but I had no idea if it, what, what people were like, I hated it. And they were like, I loved it. I, I don't know what to feel. So that's my comment. <laughs> Adam. <laughs> uh, my favorite prediction gone wrong was certainly a, uh, very confirmed or affirmative on this podcast that AIM was going to be the villain for some reason because of the honeycomb and the hex and the bees and not just putting together that it was just a hexagon yes. so it was a hex <laughs> I just love how much we were, we were losing our shit for the first couple of episodes and we're just like it's obviously AIM <laughs> just really <laughs> to basically be like you still had sex with an octagon and you're like what? Like, <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, that I think that one, because at least like I think there's the Mephisto one that kind of circled around the entire series, which makes sense because it's an underworld or demon, devil, whatever. At least it relates to the afterlife and death. But AIM was just so funny to me because I'm like, are they trying to take control of her? Like, we didn't even talk about why they would be doing it. We're just like, that well, is AIM. That is AIM. It's because uh, to, AIM, uh, the, dealing with all the Baron Strucker and AIM stuff and the Mind stone and everything that's this backstory that e easily exists for it that does right. straight up right, right, right. and i will also say we made that prediction before we knew so sword was involved like that was before yeah. the confirmation that's of true. sword First so, three episodes, so yeah. it, it wasn't it wasn't so out of left field but it didn't come true stop trying to make yourselves feel better just admit that we were wrong <laughs> the second someone when i said look at all the hexagons and i was told on the podcast it's aim i thought arrogantly yeah i know it's fucking oh, yeah, that's yeah, definitely yeah. <laughs> i after hearing it from you guys who are supposed to be the experts um i do want to talk a little bit about the Ag agnes agatha reveal and to me there's a certain sense in which it kind of falls flat for everybody because either you don't know who agatha harkness is and so the reveal is like oh my god agnes is who or you know who Agatha Ag Ag Harkness is and you got this prediction so early on uh, because you're also reading all the fan boards for this. Um, Kaylin, what do you got? Uh, I mean, for those of us who've read the comics, uh, we knew that Agatha Harkness had to be part of it. And when you see a wonderful character actress like Cara mm -hmm. uh, Catherine Hahn uh, in the previews, it's like, oh, that's gotta be Agatha. Um, at first, when it's revealed, I guess, in episode seven, uh, yes, in episode seven, uh, where she's really Agatha, I was like, well, this is kind of a very, like, hackneyed reveal. And then you get Agatha all along, and immediately <laughs> I fall in love with it, because it's such a catchy song. It's such an earworm. My only real issue was how uh, much of a black hat they made her in the final episode. I was like, I was not expecting that, and I didn't really enjoy that. Uh, I, like, I, I do think that when they do bring her back and whether it's Multiverse of Madness or whatever, she'll be more of a Loki type where she'll be kind of like, a, you know, more of an anti-hero, a gray coat. But like her going full on evil was mm, I didn't love it so much. The fact that like when uh, early on in the final episode where you have the car that crashes into the house <laughs> and Wanda goes to look for her and you see the shoes right there. I'm like, I get it. It's the fucking Wicked Witch of the West. Like, stop, 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 you know. Uh, but overall, I mean, I can watch Catherine Hahn do anything, so I enjoyed it. Ryan. It got me, gal. Like, I, look, uh, I knew it was Agatha. I knew from the comics, but 
I was not disappointed by this. Uh, they did get me for a second when Vision sort of tried to make her mind clear for a second. I was like, oh, well, maybe it's not. Like, I did have that brief moment. But the fact that they just leaned into it and, like, beat us over the head with, like, camp and nonsense and, like, I'm evil, just deal with it. Like, there's very few actresses that could deal with it in such a good way to make her even more likable. And she, she fucking killed it. I, I was so excited about this and I need to see her every day of my life. I love her so much. Katie. I'm gonna make a plea to the Marvel executives right now because I've seen some online correspondence between fans that maybe she will never show up again. Is that true? Are people saying that? Okay, well, somebody was saying so. it in the series because there was, there was this debate, oh, will there be a season two? Or no, it's just gonna be the movie is like, what's gonna happen here? I, I think it's what I know of her character after I researched is that she, she is bad in some versions and then she's, she's evil, but then she can be good. And then she can play in that gray area. So I love that they hit you over the head with the badness because then you have something to look forward to, you know, we don't need it all here. We can, we can have some, some love down the line. And I think, you know, people, she just met her. She doesn't know who she is. She doesn't know her backstory. So let her get to know Agatha and then they can forge a relationship and then they can come to terms with where they're at. And maybe she'll help her sons or something. Isn't that something that happens in the books? I don't know. That's that's very sweet, Clark. (laughs) See, I, I thought, I think it was episode seven and eight where I was mentioning like, I totally got both her and Hayward, Haywood, whatever his name is, Hayward's like, reasoning behind what they were doing like wanda is seriously should have been killed she's gonna do horrible things or potentially do horrible things because she is the scarlet witch i don't disagree with hayward's opinion of <laughs> what should go on but also i know i like wanda and i don't want that to happen but um i the reveal of Ag- agatha i loved i wasn't like i know obviously as ryan says totally aware it was going to happen not surprised but I loved it just because of how weird it is, how strange it is. But I did think they uh, they could have potentially just straight up ruined her. And I'm not sure uh, how they're going to bring her back. With... Uh, because sorry. they turned uh, her into such a straight up villain, choking kids and stuff like that. And, okay, see, I mean, Clark is saying she's not coming back. So there you go. There's one person who says she's here's not the problem. Back. Here's the problem. <laughs> here's the main problem. Killing a dog is a huge no-no for villains to do there's no turning t- i mean i say that but then we got there's a literal film the expression called kick the dog save the kitty yeah same thing. yeah yeah save, save yeah. the cat yeah 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 i don't know i don't know how they're gonna redeem her without people saying oh remember when she murdered that dog they're gonna come out with a new song and it was wanda all along i guess you could <laughs> i actually killed the dog yeah people the dog wasn't really it. real well get that's true too it. yeah the dog was a fake construct get over it she says as she's dressed in full agatha cosplay for this yeah. I, I, I just don't know how they're gonna do it especially they if look- they're not gonna have a season two for years just well, because but- of the way filming is for these well and i they was gonna look- say they re- I was just going to quickly say they remediated Loki. No one seemed to give a shit that Loki literally blew up the entire like earth for It wasn't a wasn't a wasn't a puppy though. Well, since I mentioned the wicked witch of the west comparison earlier, I mean, you know, in Wizard of Oz she goes, "And I'll get your little dog too." So she of course mm-hmm. got the dog. 
So they're playing up the camp aspect of it. That didn't really bother me. And then like her choking the kids, the kids are constructs as well. Oh. She's not actually hurting somebody. And at the very end, Wanda said, you know, before, you know, she says, you're going to be the nosy neighbor, you know, for, 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 for the time being, you know, she goes, you're going to need me. It's like, well, I'll come find you when I do. It's like to be continued. It's like right. literally like plastered on the screen. She is like, I will be shocked if she doesn't come back in Multiverse of Madness. And I mean, there's a very good chance that Wanda is like, ends up becoming the villain in Multiverse of Madness. I could mm-hmm. see that happening. And you have someone like Agatha um, having to team up with the Doctor Strange to, to, to be able to handle like just how powerful she is. I'm going to have a shirt that says Hayward was right. Okay. <laughs> good. Perfect. Um, let's talk about another fake out. Um, fake Pietro Fietro, which is a terrible portmanteau. Whoever wrote that should be embarrassed. Uh, uh, the character turns out to be of just, Agatha wrote that. Uh, yes. That. So it, it turns out to be <laughs> the person she's been calling her husband the entire time, Ralph Boner. What did you guys think of this? Did you guys want her to have a husband named Ralph at all, or that she was just a fake person she kept mentioning? Katie? I love the idea of, first of all, I just love all these red herrings because it makes all of you so angry. And that's very fun (laughs) for me to watch happen (laughs) because the the amount of anger springing forth. Um, I think here's, here's the thing. I was confused by that because I didn't, and this is why I thought we were in DC for some reason, the DC comic world, because I was just thinking MCU stood for uh, multiverse. I didn't bother to match the letters up for some reason mm-hmm. because you guys via Facebook messenger told me what the multiverse stood for. And I was like, Oh, so he's in a different movie playing the same character. That's amazing. I didn't yeah. know that. Now, the M and MCU stands for DC, by the way. That silent D it was a silent D and I so when I saw him I was like is this the Ryan Murphy universe crossover I was confused I think that's what I associate him with it's the Ryan Murphy universe where he shows up in every season so (laughs) my god I wanted it to be more honestly I did want him to have more of a role I thought it was kind of like oh a bummer that he was just kind of a random actor um I will say here, this is to prove to the listeners um, who are still trying to gain my trust that I did do homework. And I, th- I thought that there was a theory that Ralph was Mephisto. Is that how you say it? Mephisto? Okay. So, sure. <laughs> you, you, I don't know. You, you are, <laughs> you are the Do authorities. not ask this podcast how to things. <laughs> okay. So anyways, there's a theory that Ralph was Mephisto and that, that, that fly that showed up at the end of the episode that revealed Agatha was him. Then having him be actually this actor that was randomly the brother, I was kind of like, hmm, that was a little bit of a letdown. So I do now I know where your anger comes from at these red herring because I did feel it. Right, I Katie, felt mad. Katie, we're not going to ding you for pronouncing it Mephisto. I believe it's Mephisto. But the reason why we're not going to ding you is because we also pronounce it Kevin Feige or Feige or Fiji. So we're never right either. Clark. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> so. I had the opposite opinion on this is that I hated the thought. I, you know how much derision I have for the Fox uh, X-Men movies. And I was scared shitless after this reveal that we were going to get all that pieces of garbage up in this series. And the moment they, they did this 
red herring reveal that he's just some loser actor named Ralph Boner. I was fucking, ha- I was so happy. I was rolling on the ground. Thank God we didn't have to get that shit. Being a complete internal bitch about people who wanted um, to deal with the crappy X-Men run in the future. So thank God that happened. Thank God for that red herring. Adam. Adam. I think I'm I'm caught in the middle, I think, because on one hand, I think I I liked Clark what you were saying originally about some of these things, which is like it's all well and good to do these red herrings and kind of fa- build this fake out as long as you have an equally interesting thing to counteract it. And and I think this kind of fell flat. I agree that I didn't want them to cross in like we comics has a lot of strengths. One of its weaknesses is its ridiculous retconning and always evolution where everybody stays alive and they find new ways to put in the same people over and over again. So I really appreciate that it wasn't a kind of long-term resurrection that also dealt with the multiverse. What did disappoint me is that there, it really, the reveal felt a lot like Mandarin and Iron Man 3. I know that that's kind of come up in certain well, reviews and yeah. commentaries where it, it is such a rug out from underneath you. It's a more difficult time to reset back in to be comfortable with the rest of the plot because just the idea that they had, like, I get it because us as viewers, we have to know that there might be something else going on, even if there isn't, but it was just really painful and uh, like just so hammy to be like, oh, this is just some random New Jersey. And that also happens to look like an actor from (laughs) the other series of movies that don't exist in this universe it was just like a lot of like tongue-in-cheek like eh, you get it isn't this fun and i was like eh, sign me up but i would have been just as pissed if they actually went the route of putting evan peters into the mcu on an ongoing basis oh so nothing maybe makes you people neutral. happy nothing makes you people happy <laughs> Kaylin, i was Kaylin's- happy with watching people's pain i just told you that that's true. That's true. Kalen, you need to speak, but I just need the listeners. You need to know. I do know Kevin Feige is the president of Marvel Studios. I did look that up. So yeah. I, I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm listening. I'm learning. I'm doing it. Kalen. Also, well, I'd like to get, let Ryan go first. Oh, no, I'm just going to actually agree with Adam in the in the way that like the, the, the audience doesn't know what they want. So if you give exactly what they are expecting and you give Agatha to be bad, people are like, how dare you do what I expected? And then if you do the thing of like, that is not actually Pietro, people are like, how dare you subvert my, uh, you're like, no, you can't win no matter what. So like, I'm glad when they do these because I like to see people fucking squirm. Like, (laughs) fuck everyone, I feel. (laughs) The fan base is so toxic. So like, just do what you want at this point. Right, 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 right. See, Katie, we, we we love to see people in pain. It's not just me. I'm guys. I'm catching on. I am truly learning a lot tonight. <laughs> Kaylin, Kaylin, right. yeah. So so I'm with Clark. Uh, I'm really glad that they didn't do that. And but the thing I'm also super super happy about was that he wasn't Mephisto because I uh, like ultimately I didn't want Mephisto to be introduced in this, right. even though that was a prediction because it would have robbed any agency for for Agatha, like that she was in mm-hmm. thrall or like subservient to a bigger bad than her. It's like, she's a badass bitch. I'm sorry, badass witch. Um, and she's gonna be <laughs> able to, uh, you know, she's she's got her own motivations to get to Wanda's power. She's just like, I have never seen this before, this chaos magic. 
I need to understand it and I need to harness it. Um, and introducing like a, a, like a demonic character, a satanic character, I think would have robbed her of that. So that's so a great uh, point. Let's, let's get into some of the characterization. Um, let's talk about Wanda. Um, how do you guys think this show handled grief? And what do you think are some of the lessons that they want you to draw about experiencing it? Katie? I actually had a, a really interesting conversation with a friend. <laughs> Shout out Richie Peppio. I'm just name dropping strangers that no one knows <laughs> on this podcast. We don't um, need. <laughs> well, no. So we were we were having this. Yes, I know. Me in a debate about a Marvel uh, show. Uh, what is this universe we live in? Um, so we were talking about how you know, he was disappointed that the sitcom writing wasn't funnier because he was saying like. You know, you look at these sitcoms, they're all so iconic and they have amazing writing teams. And apparently Dick Van Dyke was a, a consultant on the show. I didn't know that, but he he gave notes or something. And so I, I get that some people might have been disappointed in that, but I actually really loved that it wasn't funny. And there was something, it always felt off. Like the idea that you were watching it and you're like, well, this doesn't, this isn't actually supposed to be a sitcom. This is a woman who is going through immense pain and grief. And so this is just how it's coming out. So it, it's actually not, you're not watching a sitcom, even though every visual cue that you're seeing is telling you that, that's not what you're actually experiencing, which I really thought was a very interesting experience as a viewer. I really liked that. And I, I, it made me feel um, very, it made me feel for Wanda, but also as a viewer made me feel smart for myself because I was like, wow, this is deep. And now I have a reason to watch this because I really love how, how they're expressing grief and how you, when you, when you lose someone or lose multiple people, you just, your whole world is upended and sometimes you can't control it. And I loved that, that angle too, is that she really couldn't control what was happening, which is an interesting question. I'm sure we'll get into later. Uh, Clark and then Caitlin. Clear, clearly Wanda has never stepped into a writer's room before, which makes sense since she's some Segovian nobody, it seems. Caitlin. Yeah, for sure. And um, like, it's her interpretation of these sitcoms from her memories as a child. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, she's not a writer, but what I liked about uh, uh, the homages wasn't necessarily the humor. It was how it hit certain tropes like in the uh first episode where you had the dick van dyke um uh pastiche it was you know the boss coming over for dinner and it's everything's got to go right otherwise he's not going to get the promotion you know it's the fact that um you know in the second episode she's the sort of the outsider like like a like samantha and bewitched and you know she's got to try to fit in with all the other women in the neighborhood like it definitely like the writers were smart enough to understand these are the tropes within within the shows. My favorite, of course, is going back to the 80s one, shocking no one on this podcast, is when you had the twins aging up. And that was the shit that you saw all the time in sitcoms back then. It's because writers didn't want to write about babies. They wanted to write about precocious toddlers or, you know, kids that were growing up a little bit because they, you know, that was the humor back in the day. Like that was what was so smart about, about it. So it didn't need to be funny to me. It's not a comedy. It is, tr it's a tragedy. It is about a woman's grief and the stages that she's going through. Clark? Clark? Um, I was gonna say the first step, we, we talk about, we see in the sec second to last episode of the, um, 
when she Dick Van Dyke's her favorite show and the episode she chooses is an episode I think I mentioned about Dick Van Dyke watching a movie and then having a dream about this movie where all this crazy shit happens that connects actually with WandaVision a lot um but and so going back to the first episode is Dick Van Dyke that sounds mean uh and and <laughs> sorry <laughs> Sounds awesome. This is a gay podcast. <laughs> oh my gosh. Jeez. Oh, no. Let's not linger on this. Okay. <laughs> oh no. And, and just seeing that she's clearly in denial. Like if the episode is about a dream state, that her favorite episode is about a dream state, she's going back to this dream state that's happening. So we definitely see it from very first get-go is the first stage of, of grief, according to stuff from the 80s that isn't true anymore. Um, right. So I think that one thing that the the last episode provides that really helps make the kind of meditations on grief meaningful is the scenes where she's interacting with people she's been brainwashing. Because I think the point there is trying to talk about how if you're someone who's grieving, you you can cause other people pain by not dealing with it. And people will automatically change their behavior around you to accommodate the pain that you're not able to work on or that you're really suffering through. And despite, you know, any degree to which you think you're actually harming other people, you very much can be whether or not you have like mind control powers at all. And seeing all these people in kind of this very desperate plight where they are, you know, all suffering, they're all trying to accommodate her I thought was uh, terrifying and really sad. Katie? So I have uh, two quick things. The first thing is, this is more of an aside, but I don't understand how old Wanda is because the fact that she was watching DVDs in some sort of like post-Soviet country, I was so, that I don't know why that really, I was really stuck on that. I could not get over it. (laughs) also dvds of these kind of obscure shows i was like how do they have access to these that's my point that doesn't matter but the other thing i wanted to say is i really like it does matter and we should talk about it but my other thing is uh i really i i liked the episode where uh it's that same episode where you see them in their childhood apartment when they go behind the scenes with agatha and she kind of says kind of show me how you did all these things in your life and i really that's when I almost thought that Agatha, that was her showing some of her goodness, although there was an ulterior motive of just trying to figure out what chaos magic was. It almost was therapeutic in a way because you're watching her go through and have to acknowledge like different points in her life and how she, how, you know, everything's kind of coming to a head and she's realizing it. I really liked that idea of like the behind the scenes, like you could kind of stop and start and and, and go to different sets almost. I just really thought they were so creative in the way that they used this this theme in so many different like there are just so many facets of it um which played on grief because grief is so expansive and there's just so much to explore we all know that therapists are just trying to get your personal information so they can steal your money and power (laughs) (laughs) that is the message the show is sending (laughs) so we've talked a little bit about vision and how maybe the story wasn't, um, you know, clearly was more centered on Wanda's, you know, experience of this. What did you, what were some of your takeaways about Vision? Was there anything that they actually did for the character that you really liked or were disappointed by? Caitlin? So uh, just two, two quick things. One, going back to Wanda, because I, I do want to bring this up. Um, 
is I don't necessarily believe Wanda was completely held accountable. And maybe that's just a feature of the show and we'll see that happen. The thing that kind of frustrated me the most was I think uh, I really liked how like all the residents of Westview just like were just dag, you know, daggers were coming out of their eyes at her. And then Monica tried to absolve her. And I was like, what the fuck? Like I was, <laughs> I was like, it was such like hero worship that it like just bothered me. And especially as much as I love Monica's character. But to answer your question about vision, this is where I'm going to disagree with Clark a little bit when, you know, I know Clark, you had some expectations uh, at the start of this podcast. You're talking about like, you, you thought like this would be more about vision. It'd be a little bit more like the miniseries by Tom King that we read a few years ago and reviewed on podcast. I think we will get that. And I think we'll get that with, with the new white vision at some point in the future, whether it is another uh, Disney plus miniseries um, or it's in a movie somewhere. And um, I think it would have felt too overstuffed uh, as a show. If they gave equal billing to vision as they did with Wanda, this was Wanda's story. Uh, And, you know, vision was a manifestation of her grief as we talked about. Or he was a completely new version that uh, Hayward and the sword engineers created. So he was a plot device. And I was okay with him being a plot device. Ryan. Um, I agree. Um, that, that one scene that you were talking about, Kalen, that gave me, and maybe you guys agree, like it gave me such X-Men vibes of her being in the center of a crowd and people being like, how dare you? I hate, like it gave me such X-Men vibes that it made me think like maybe she is a mutant because it, that seems like a scene that was literally taken out of the comics that you see like over and over through the years, them holding signs saying like no more mutants and shit. It looked, yeah. it looked and felt exactly like that. Although I was not on her side in the X-Men when I see that shit, I usually am. Um, but I think for the vision and his journey in this was he died pretty abruptly and didn't do much in the last couple of movies. And though he had a long story, like through Jarvis and everything, I think this gave some closure to that character because he kind of let himself go rather than just, he got a stone ripped. Oh, he let himself go, honey. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Clark. Um, I, I mean, with, in terms of vision, I, I don't, I kind of forget that he even existed for three episodes after he gets, goes through and almost dies and then the barrier and then comes back when we have to deal with him in a fucking ice cream truck for a while. And then he flies off, but then does nothing. And I was like, is he in this show anymore? It just, I, I don't know. It felt very weak in terms of him after a while. Well, Adam. Yeah, I was like, that works for me because as we kind of been saying on this podcast, this is Wanda's show. I know it's Wanda Vision and it's cute and they're a couple, but like Vision's dead. He's been dead. That was just a manifestation of her brain. So it's like, I get that there's still uniqueness to adding some layer to Vision, but it it kind of gave me more backstory for him and made me like him more as a character. I'm looking forward to like going back to previous movies and like remembering what I know about their relationship now and boosting it but like i'm so glad that he was ancillary or secondary to her major storyline um and so i just i just enjoyed that overall what i do like about this overall plot line though it reminds me a lot of the sailor moon there's like a sailor moon meme where sailor moon's looking at um tuxedo mask and he's like my job is done here and she's like but you didn't do anything and then he just leaves <laughs> it's like a perfect <laughs> i mean granted she did do everything but that's exactly how i see the ending of the show like 
Wanda's like had this transformation. Monica's like, yes, girl, you did it. And Wanda's like, my job is done here. And they're like, fuck you, bitch, get out of here. Like, <laughs> it's just such a ridiculous. I did it. You just we'll probably, I know we'll hit a little bit more on sort of the, the, <laughs> the interview with Matt Shankman where it was supposed to be 10-ish, 10 episodes. There was going to be more of a finale. But man, did they really cram that together just to wrap it up. Because there's so many, like, I, to Kayla, to your point of like, well, hopefully future things might solve on this. One of the, the discussions me and my boyfriend had is that she'll probably just because we were kind of re like referencing her like Loki now, she'll probably enter mostly the mystical magical realm. So affairs on earth may not even matter to her kind of idea where it's like no one's really going to hold her accountable because she's too busy saving the celestial multiverse kind of idea, which I would be okay with, right? It's like people have to go on to bigger and better things after they've captured a 3000 person town, especially their children in closets. But I still love Wanda. This show made me love her anyway. So it obviously worked as a character study. Katie? I want to go on record to say, I don't think what Wanda did was that bad. And I think people need to get over it. She, yeah. she turned, okay, for a couple of days, people in a town, which was a very rundown town, just to be clear, had a much nicer town and they got to do cool jobs and live a nice fun life. Like, oh, cry me a river. I don't care. You're fine. But anyways, back to vision. No, okay. I see some looks, but I don't, that, I'm going on record. Bill, but she let him go. She Listeners, let him go. Come, you can, you can at me. Come at me for it. Find me. <laughs> okay. It's at Katie Ozog on Twitter. So come at her there. It's not even true, but we'll get to that later. Anyways, for vision, I was a little confused because, again, uh, as you know, I'm an in infant in the Marvel universe, but so I don't quite understand. Vision was this this creation of of Wanda's grief. So he doesn't really he was kind of a blank slate. And that's very clear in the early episodes. Like he's not quite sure what's going on. He doesn't really know what happened to himself. He doesn't really know that he died. But then somehow he's the one that gives the white vision the memories. He's just like, remember who you are and then he like touches his head and he's like now you know who you are I'm like how do you know who you are yeah. you don't even know who you are you're a creation of grief so we got a creation of grief and we got a creation of serpent what are they called sword. what are they called sword isn't yeah. serpent a different thing in the marvel universe no no it is no. no is it something bad i made up i don't know anyways that's just i just was a little bit that that made me frustrated yeah. As a, as a fan, as a fan of, of the genre now. Yeah, Katie, I'm a little bit surprised that you decided to take what sounds basically like a Fox News talking point. Wanda's good for the economy. <laughs> Wanda really helps revitalize an area. Like, mm -hmm. okay, but also, so I do think it's interesting that like with respect to, even if this show is kind of a platform to restart Vision so he's got his body again, the thing that I kind of like is that, you know, when he appears in Age of Ultron, one of his powers is kind of locking things in and out of, you know, electronic systems. Um, it's a thing he uses on Ultron to stop him. So I think that he's not giving him all these memories. That body has his memories stored and he's like just opening it up. Um, That's amazing. But I love Thank that, you. They have, that they have a discussion rather than like a punching fight. I mean, talking about the ship of Theseus, you're going to get me excited. I'm going to get wet from this. I um, saw this and was like, this is Brent right here. It's just yeah. so, so good. But I, I also think that the way that they've kind of set up Vision now, you know, when he has that little line about being a voice without a body, a body but not human, 
and now a memory, whatever. But now he's also like an actual body out there that's something completely different. Uh, to me, it seems like they're making Vision into a good version of Ultron. Like his character, one of his character traits now is that he keeps reinventing himself again and again for whatever, you know, phase of the movies he's in. Yeah, for sure. No, for sure. I completely agree with you. I mean, in the comics, he was the good version of Ultron. Uh, And so um, they have finally like kind of come full circle. Let's do a little grab bag on the, the remaining characters. So any thoughts on... Hayward as a villain, um, the introduction of Monica, uh, when are we going to get some more Jimmy magic, and uh, is this the last we'll see of Darcy? I'm, I'm kind of, sorry. I'm kind, ahead, of, bored of, the bureau- right, I'm kind of bored of the bureaucratic villain. I'm the Hayward thing where I was like, okay, from episode three, I think we were like, when he, when, you know, when he was being kind of annoying to Monica, you're like, okay, this guy's going to be a dick. And you know what? He became a dick. Okay, cool. Next storyline. I just didn't care about him at all. Even though I did think that Namanda needs to be uh, controlled or put someone under control before she kills a bunch of people, which, well, it, it, I think it's because of all the horrible stuff she does in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> Basically kills a bunch of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the history. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I don't she care. Be the monster. Anyways, um, yeah. I just, I, 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 don't, I don't need it. Especially since it's like, okay, another entity, you know, shield's bad, sword's bad, blah, blah, blah's bad. Okay, fine, great. Kaylin. Next, uh, we're going to yeah, find I, out the FBI is bad. Sorry. Anyways, um, I, uh, yeah, I agree with Clark. I think he would have been a lot more interesting if they'd made him kind of, out of made him more like Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt Ross versus like the Secretary of State in Winter Soldier that Robert Redford played. Because mm-hmm. like... Um, like his motivations made, made a lot of sense. It's like Wanda is too powerful. She is doing this. We have got to figure this this out. And then you start like he goes complete black hat. I mean, the point where he pulls out the gun is going to kill the kids, even though they're constructs. I was like, what the fuck is even happening in this show anymore? It's like yeah. it, it drove me. It drove me nuts. Plus, that actor is not not too great. Um, I hope we don't see Darcy again. I am in the minority, but I think. Uh, consensus on this podcast Darcy is over like is not great um, and like, drive the ice cream trucks yeah she That's said something I something I don't know I don't I don't know but with Jimmy I do hope we get the agents of Atlas somehow because I fucking yeah. love them uh, and like like I almost don't even want to see the FBI in this universe it's like it's too real world for me give me the shields the swords you know, aim, Hydra, give me these like made up things. And like, once you start putting in the CIA, the FBI, MI6, whatever, like it just, it just, it's like, oh, it's too real world for me. Adam? Um, yeah, I definitely wasn't a huge Hayward fan. I think they kind of did him dirty a little bit. It was very like one note character. And I was also disappointed that they had spent so much time at the beginning of the season at least like establishing this more like healthy tension almost between her and Mo- him and Monica. And I, right. He just went like textbook villain again. I, I don't, I'm, it's always easy to blame it on like, well, if they just had the t- the episode that they wanted and the shots that they wanted, sure. But I, I think there was probably still a way to salvage this a little bit more than Darcy 
runs into his truck with an ice cream tray. It was just like, it was all very, it really was, that was definitely the weakest episode for me because it was so ham-fisted essentially. Like that, the, the ending you could tell felt so rushed and is exactly everything I didn't want the show to be or Marvel television to be. So I'm really hoping that this was simply because of various production issues as opposed to like this end game mandate where each of these shows, Loki, Captain Falcon, I always say Captain Falcon, uh, and, and likewise, will always have to end in these climactic third acts because they do not work for television. And half the time they don't work for Marvel movies. So that's, I'm just really hoping they can counterbalance that a little bit more. Uh, Ryan. Okay. I love Monica Rambeau so fucking much. Mm -hmm. I love her in all iterations. I love the actress who is playing her. I like the idea of the character in this universe, but I got a real big beef on how she got her powers. You're telling me she walked through a magic barrier uh, not one, not two, but three times. And on the third time, she got superpowers of a nondescript kind. And the people that were actually in the chaos bubble the entire time that were being manipulated <laughs> don't have any powers. Just the one person that went through three times. And one time she took off her helmet and she could have walked in with the helmet on. That's just bad. But like three, that's just the barrier gives you powers. Just the barrier. Is that what we're going with? Yeah, that's the thing. That's the I, thing. You have to accept it. And I loved that part. That is actually no, what I was going to say before I even knew. Briefly, if, if I could briefly touch on Monica, I love, from what I know of her history, because again, I don't know much about her intimately. She always wanted powers, but never had powers, correct? Her whole family, she loves everyone. Like everyone's got powers her mom had powers yeah, she's dead i love the idea that someone who's desperate for powers was told explicitly not to go through this force field because they could die and she's just like no i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it so many times that i'm gonna <laughs> my eyes are gonna start glowing and then at the end they were like now you're going to space babe and i was like what a frog is here telling her she's going to space <laughs> amazing what an, what an amazing character so i really related to Mon although physically and spiritually i relate to agnes and agatha mm -hmm. i also on a level really connect with with monica I, because uh, you know it is a female driven show as we've made it clear so i found myself in so many characters what a delight clark in regards to Monica, I mean, fucking love her. She's great and, and witty and interesting and everything. I love everything about her powers except for her fucking eyes because I hate glowing eyes, it turns <laughs> out, as I said before. Um, I have an issue, not an issue. I think they could have done more with her grief, you know, coming back from being dead and her mom's been dead for three years or whatever many years now at that point. After -ish, the next episode, we don't get any grief from her at all. It's just... You know, now she goes on with this plan and does these things. It just feels like if it's a show about grief, maybe we could have done anything with this other woman, <laughs> especially a black yeah. woman who's going through yeah, the totally. horrible I death agree. of her mother. Like, oh, this white yeah, woman. Yeah, that's a really good the entire part. goddamn time. Right. It's very, yeah. very you should, I want her to get her own movie soon. That's my oh, hope. Yeah. I'll call Kenneth, whatever, Fiji, whatever Kenneth. his name is. Kenneth. <laughs> I'm gonna you know, call him like, up and say, "Give Monica a movie, bitch," and they'll say, "Who are you?" Can it just be Captain Marvel two? Just be her, 
I'm 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 much rather see her than Brie. Who's going to call her Brie Wilson? Who the fuck's Brie Wilson? Yeah, I got to Google right. it now. Keep Kaylin. going, everyone. Yeah, not to, just to add to Clark's point really quickly. Not only did we not get to see more grief uh, from Monica, we didn't even see it after like the first few scenes in episode four. Like yeah. that was so good in the hospital and she's dealing with that. And once she's at sword headquarters, it's like, and she's just like getting quippy with, you know, with Hayward. And it's just like, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a sassy agent of sword again. It's like, like, like dealing with it a little bit more would have been, would have been nice. All right. Is, we got to move on. Yeah. All right. Um, so in preparation for this episode, we rewatched some of our favorite sitcoms from our childhoods, including The Nanny, Grace Under Fire, Mr. Belvedere, Dinosaurs, and the and Head of Class. So if you were grieving and had uh, Wanda's powers, uh, talk about how you'd recreate the world according to your favorite sitcom. Kaylin. Well, it's not Head of Class, it's Head of the Class. So, and that was the sitcom that I picked. Um, and it's, it's so funny because I rediscovered it because it's on HBO Max um, and I had watched it as a little kid and that was my idea or, and my ideal of what high school would be, you know, of like, you know, being in like the honors class, the smart class, you know, I would have like a, you know, like a very like, you know, kind of like sarcastic quippy teacher and like we would have this banter back and forth. And I think, um, you know, when I get sad or if I do like, you know, uh, when I go through grief in whatever in whatever way, I would retreat to something like that. I would recreate this idealized form of high school, which was not my favorite time, you know, as, as a gay man. High school is not great. Uh, but like, you know, being like a smart kid who, you know, had like a really bright future ahead of him and like having an awesome teacher and like going through all that and like uh, realizing like, you know, you learn a lesson after every episode and like, even the nerdy kids, you know, are like kind of cool on the inside and they get the, you know, they get the hot girl or in my case, the hot guy at the end. Uh, like all of that, like that's the way I would, I would recreate it. Um, and rewatching the show just brought back a ton of memories. Katie. So I uh, chose The Nanny, which is one of the all time best I won't even say sitcoms, best television shows on the planet. <laughs> and I think it would really depend on what type of grief I was going through. But something I just love about the nanny is the confidence that Fran has and the outfits that she wears and just she is unabashedly who she is. And I think there's comfort in that. When you think about, you, you look at a character like that and you're like, you don't even care. You have no care in the world. I mean, obviously she had a very fraught relationship with her boss who she later married and had the twins with, but you know, that I don't think I would include <laughs> in my, in my, in my grief episode, but I just really love her, her energy. And I think she attracts really great people into her life because of that. So I think I, I would just really probably use her as a vehicle of comfort in my grief. But also something I, I had everyone watch this episode. Um, something I love about the nanny is the celebrity cameos. And just, they're so, it's such a wide net. Like so many random people show up on that show. And there's real, I think there's a lot of, um, I'm trying to think of an adjective for comfort because I keep saying it, um, solace. There's some solace in like 90s nostalgia. So I think if I was grieving, I would really feel good about that. But what I love about this episode is that Ray Charles is in the episode as uh, the fiance of Yetta as just a normal man named Sam. 
in the episode, his nephew is Brian Tgumble, the newscaster. So I just love how in this universe, Ray Charles isn't famous, but then also plays the piano at the end and sings. So you like know he's Ray Charles, but then he also has a nephew who's famous. And I, I just think if I had that power in my grief, I would just cast people that I love that are famous, but also my friends and family. And I would just make them all related. And I would just have this beautiful cornucopia of of pleasure and and just people that make me happy. That's how I would do it via the the nanny. And go watch the nanny. It's on Pluto TV. <laughs> uh, Clark, Katie's um, speaking about um, season five, episode eight of the nanny. I believe that's what it was. Yeah, which is six episodes before the proposal. Everybody, so watch that. <laughs> and that was so which I watched because he was beaten up in an alley, and then he gave the wedding ring was like a tuna fish. Um, ring can uh anyways um reason i wanted to go next was that yetta who we just talked about her grandmother was the nosy neighbor in dick van dyke for like oh my episodes. god i, I gosh, didn't know that. i literally googled what? it earlier i was like what else has she been in oh, shit, okay. us. I'll, br- I'll bring that up then oh wow um, so i misread the brief as i regularly do i went through like six different television shows the problem was beverly hillbillies is my favorite one and it you can't stream it without paying for it besides the first two seasons, which I didn't want to do. Um, anyways, I went through like six and I ended up on a show that I was fine with as a kid. Um, Mr. Belvedere, which, you know, is about some weird British man who comes and helps out a family of, I don't even know the kind of quasi blue collar quasi not anyways. It's uh, a real, definitely. I just have to say, it's a real opposite version of the nanny. If you think about oh, yeah. it. <laughs> um and it i chose an episode that i had not watched before because it was before i was i was like four years old and it was the episode where um this is season two episode 23 excuse me episode 16 where wesley the young boy's best friend it turns out has aids and has to leave the school for a while and i it, it wasn't all that funny for multiple reasons i did think the fact that this came out probably five months after the whole ryan white um thing which was a child um who got aids and was basically in real life kicked out of schools and berated by parents and chased across two like state lines and all this kind of horrible stuff and so watching it again was watching it for the first time was fucking hard actually and then as i slowly realized this is yeah this it's I think this show, and they've gone through these special episodes. This is clearly a special episode. They didn't like just talk about AIDS every single episode for five seasons. Um, is, I don't know. It, it, yeah, special episodes are very hard. I don't know how to talk about it right now. Um, I do think they did a good job. And I know the writers, literally that happens. They found out about it and they probably immediately like, fuck this. We need to do an episode about this right fucking now, which is like impressive as shit, especially for some 80s assholes. Um, and I try, they try to do comedy. And, and the fact that Mr. I mean, Mr. Belvedere is played by a gay man and they do make, they don't make gay jokes, haha gays, but like they do reference it in certain ways. The fact there was one line about the fact that he gets it from licking ice cream. You, you can't get it from licking ice cream. Then he mentions um, and they're like, yeah, you can't get it from fooling around. And then the father stops and he's like, uh, uh, and like, it's like a very uncomfortable, purposeful oh laugh that they know they're bringing, talking about gays in there was very interesting. Um, but in terms of 
I, I, I can't say I want my life, my, um, my life to be that kind of sitcom, folks. You don't, you don't have the to. Best you, don't, you can let it go. You don't have to answer that question. All right, fine. No, what I really want is the one I wanted to do originally, which isn't a sitcom, but it's Space Ghost Coast to Coast, which is, um, it was going to be the Bjork episode where that's Bjork's his wife. Anyways, it's fucking crazy. And I'd love to make my reality kind of me as a talk show host berating and beating up guests and my um, colleagues. So it's just Perfect. like <laughs> you on this podcast. All right. Um, but he just has more I, money, I, though. In this reality, I, he has more money. Yeah. I, can I, I say I something really? really qu- can I say something really quickly about Mr. Belvedere? Because I did watch it when it first aired. Yeah. Because uh, I I would watch it with my parents uh, Friday nights, and I even texted Clark when I watched the episode. I I could taste the tacos my mom would make. It was taco night on Fridays. Like that's how like memory works in a weird way. But the reason I'm bringing it up is as an impressionable child who wasn't sure whether it was gay or straight or whatever any of that stuff meant, seeing a show like that and having such a human response to somebody who has AIDS was such an impression upon me that it allowed me to like be like really rational about something in the 80s that was completely irrational. And, you know, there was so much misinformation out there. And I mean, there was even like in the episode where um, the father who's played by Bob Euchre was a former football player uh, was looking for information in, in Encyclopedia Britannica, mm-hmm. but it's from like 1957. And I was like, well, why wouldn't they just go on the internet? I'm like, oh, there is no internet yet. Like the wife had to go to the library and like get like <laughs> microfiche probably printouts mm-hmm. about like articles of, um, of like what, what, like how you could contract HIV and ultimately AIDS. So it was, uh, I'm really, uh, Clark, I'm really glad you picked that. So it was great revisiting it. Mr. Belvedere actually called the CDC to find out, which I like the fact, obviously we've gotten horrible stuff going on right now and the CDC is constantly in the news. Brent? Now, um, Ryan, equally heady, you picked dinosaurs. Is that correct? (laughs) Uh, I just want to make a quick point before you speak on it, is the selections that were made here, really, they seem like they are things that would have influenced your personality later. I can see why you picked them. Would anyone have guessed that Wanda would be in love with like five decades of television? You're like, oh yeah, Wanda, I bet she's going <laughs> to love the Dick Van Dyke show. That's such, that's so her. She always is talking about television. The way actually, that Spider-Man talks about movies. I actually did predict that because um, I said, because she was from Sokovia that she I, might not have had like pop culture, mm-hmm. you know, as Americans were getting it because yeah. myself as an immigrant growing up in India, like my pop culture, American pop culture was like old episodes of I Love Lucy and things like yeah. that. And we, you know, we didn't have DVDs then, but like that's, that was what I thought America was. And so like, it makes sense for someone wow. from a foreign country, like that's what it, what it was. And I mentioned that on one of our podcasts. Uh, yeah, that's but so I'll, cool. I think you're exactly right from a concept standpoint and I think that obviously that happens in real life all the time I do I would have liked to see that more in her character leading up to this because normally and, and again that could also be an easy immigrant stereotype which is they would use a lot of catchphrases from other tv shows and things like that I would I, I again I understand the core concept I would I would say that I don't necessarily know if they they did all that earned energy to be like oh yeah of course she would have that well, she should have chosen dinosaurs, which is yeah, which yeah, is really. Right. I mean, I would have killed for a Wanda episode of dinosaurs. <laughs> Could you imagine? 
So the, the show is ridiculous. It's literally anthropomorphic dinosaurs walking around and they, they have like sometimes a normal size grill and then a giant steak on top of it. And you're like, why? Why not just have a normal steak? Why not? Make- but with that all said, the very last episode is about climate change. And <laughs> so it's, dark. And it's yeah. very heavy handed. Um, it, it's quite remarkable because they are basically just calling everyone out all the time and that's like in the 90s and so but watching all of these and you're kind of surprised on how many of these episodes are so heavy and I that laugh track just comes slamming in your ear but like and they're like "Ah, well it's not like I can't hold your hand and then the laugh track goes and you're like this is about AIDS y'all like this is about it. Like it's it is very, but it made it made me relate back to when I was watching WandaVision, where like serious shit was happening, and that laugh track was going, and you felt a sense of dread. You felt yeah. like a sense the entire time. So I I, th- I thought it was really cool to watch all these heavy handed shows of like, in theory, should be very light, it, and mm-hmm. it did not feel that way at all. There, there, was, there was actually a deleted scene where Wanda did come in during one of the episodes and goes, I'm the baby, gotta love me. I'm I, the baby, I don't know why I must have been production me. issues. But that, then <laughs> I would have said, oh my God, that woman loves sitcoms since she was a child. <laughs> wait, so wait, Adam, that's what was removed from the episode because of COVID. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That was going to be most of episode 10, but then they just decided to leave. Couldn't do the CGI. Kaylin? Do you have something to uh, contribute to the dinosaurs yeah. discourse? <laughs> well, I was going to say about sitcoms in general is, you know, up until rather recently, like sitcoms had laugh tracks or live live audience uh, you know, laughing at the jokes. Uh, it's very much like thought balloons in comics. You know, it's like telling you what the character is doing, feeling, et cetera, et cetera, giving you those cues. And ultimately, both comics and TV shows, sitcoms specifically, got away from that because he started trusting the audience a lot more yeah so yeah. in our in our last few beautiful minutes, medium let's, let's talk about the future of um these uh stories so um we got two post-credit scenes buried in the 40 minutes of credits um in one of them monica rambo talks to a frog in a movie theater about going to space <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That is what happens. Again, fight me. I don't care. That's what happens. And in the other, <laughs> Wanda is out in the middle of the forest making herself some tea while astral projecting and reading a good book. What do you think that means for the future, Katie? I, I want to say Wanda going full on cottage core. I was expecting Evermore to start playing. Give me some, what's the other album that she came out with? Folklore. I was just like, Wanda, what is going on here? This is beautiful. I don't understand how her children exist. How did they come to be? She's married to a computer robot. I don't get it. Like, how are they real? How are their voices calling? Well, okay, magic, but still they were, they, I, I was watching with my friend. He's like, everyone is being controlled by Wanda, except these kids. They're real. They are real. Vision's fake, but the kids are real. And I was like, what? And then I heard that apparently Mephisto 
helped create her children. Is that true? Am I proving my knowledge correct? It is a lot going on there that they've ignored. So Well, so that's why I thought Mephisto was going to show up because apparently he helped Wanda like create these children. So I hope in the future, Am I saying it wrong? Mephisto? No, Mephisto. Mephisto. Yeah, the gay say Mephisto. Okay, Mephisto. Mephisto. Okay, anyways. Yeah, I get it. You guys are real uh, subtle in your your (laughs) hilarity. Anyways, so I I just think, I hope in the future uh, they explain how her children were conceived and how they exist. And they clearly will exist because they were saying, Mommy! mommy so that's <laughs> what i'm mommy. looking for and then i can't wait for monica rambo to have her own theme park really in space i just can't wait to go to universal studios and go to the monica rambo roller coaster where it's all you know frogs chirping i can't wait it's gonna be exciting uh adam yeah, I think I thought both of the all the scenes were great send offs. Obviously, Wanda's kind of got her lead in doing her like fast astral reading, like uh, Doctor Strange kind of leading into Multiverse of Madness. And then I do really it's I mean, I'm assuming this is all for Monica leading up to Secret Invasion or some element of of that kind of ongoing experience, which I, I also appreciate that they are le- aren't leaving that thread lingering. I thought it was like really disappointing that vision didn't have like white vision didn't have much of a wrap-up and i know that obviously the i think i know we kept saying this but yes if you read there's a collider.com uh, article about matt shankman's interview on kevin uh fuck is his name the great the big nerd like big nerd guy make clerk kenneth hygie no <laughs> <laughs> kevin, kevin the president of marvel no uh whatever fucking clerk's guy Anyway, he has- Kevin Smith, Kevin Smith. Thank you. Kevin Smith, Rose, condoms, Rose. Uh, Yeah, so they have a whole podcast around that. And they they talked about how all of these characters are gonna have a little bit more of an ending. But in particular, I find it very odd that Vision, they didn't do anything with that. I literally almost like blinked and then could have, I didn't, I actually thought I had to rewind because I thought that white Vision had turned green and red and came out to finish the storyline and instead no it was just like white vision being like oh cool now i know things but you'll never see me again goodbye Caleb? <laughs> uh you blinked so would you say you had blurry vision um ah! i actually i actually got exactly what i needed from that scene i didn't need a post-credit sequence for vision when he has the conversation with the manifestation the the ship of theseus absolutely brilliant i loved it probably as much as brent did um but like him saying i am vision once he did that and like kind of flying off it's like i didn't need to see him in the himalayas reading a book about like you know whatever like it gave me enough until we see him again but now i just picture both of them being on opposite ends of the universe astral projecting reading magic books super fast and i want to see them (laughs) uh any other predictions about the future or what you'd like to see clark so i realized why I thought the name Brie Wilson. She was a very scandalous girl in my high school. Mm. Oh, we're naming names. Wow, what a fake out, Clark. I hate it and I cancel your show. She she gave head to the class. Got it. Yeah. Uh, I, oh. I, um, I will neither confirm nor deny that. Oh no, don't slander a woman's name in this female-centric market. I don't I don't like where this went. I don't like where this that went. That was a that was a part of the class. Fault. 
Yeah, it's oh, also misogyny, Kaylin. So, Ryan, whatever. Um, she fucked up one of my friendships. Don't so. slut shame her. I'm not slut, slut shaming her. No, You're the one slut shaming her. We celebrate that here on Homo Superior. I'll speak Ryan, for the podcast. Ryan, thanks for getting Ryan, it right. Ryan, Ryan. 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 With Wanda doing the search for her kids, I'm most excited to see that, to see them eventually turn into, this is maybe some spoilers, Katie, so I apologize, another superhero team, the Young Avengers. So I'm just excited for that journey. And to I see know about it. I can't up. wait to see them as gay as possible. Oh my God. And one of them, well, yeah, they're both queer identifying. Yeah. So yeah, it, it'll be awesome. I'm excited. I just want to take us full circle. I would like to see an episode of TLC's A Baby Story about the twins. If you recall that mm-hmm. 90s reality show, A Baby oh Story. Oh, God. That's what oh I want to see. I want to know how, what, what happened there. Um, yeah, but I do, I do know that they are important, and I've researched that, and they do become important, and they have their own franchise. So good for them. Good luck to them excited to see what happens <laughs> i i was thinking of the other show kayla you, i was thinking of the i didn't know i was pregnant which actually also fits that they could recreate this oh, see, no. uh, and that's right and that's right that is part of the discovery universe <laughs> which is my employer okay well, and product placementing hey guys I, sign up for discovery plus <laughs> yeah katie this is this is the end of our podcast so if you want to plug something like discovery plus or whatever, this is the time to do it. <laughs> sure. If you want to subscribe to Discovery Plus, it's $4.99 with ads, $6.99 without. And I'll just say light ads too. It's not like it's not too overwhelming. Um, I want to plug that I have an Instagram uh at K-O-Z-O-G, Kozog, and a Twitter at this is KFO. Um, I'm taking a storytelling class with the Brooklyn Comedy Collective, and I'll have a show soon. So follow me and find out what that is. Great. Well, That's all th- I want to plug. <laughs> Thank you very much, Katie, for participating with us. Again, that's Discovery Plus with the promo code Katie Ozog. Um, you can get extra discounts for it. <laughs> We've been Homo Superior. You can find us at Homo Superior uh, at Twitter on uh, as Homo Superior X and on Instagram as Homo Superior Podcast. And of course, you can check out our regular episodes, which are released every Friday. Uh, thank you so much for listening and have a great whatever.